All right, so today we've got Raver on the podcast, and if you've not seen his video that went viral with Big Ego Entertainment, is that what they call that, that channel? Yeah. Yeah, or oh, it's, um, it's something else. Not only has he got a gripping story, he's just got a very positive vibe about him. He's turned his life around, and he's a really good storyteller as well. So in for a treat today. And huge thank you to Nick for arranging this interview. We will put all of his links in the description box, as we will put all of Raver's links in the description box. So please support what our guests are doing, and, and Jen's as well. So huge thank you for coming on then. Yeah, thank yeah, you. It's a privilege. Cheers. How did this journey begin for you then? Because you came over from Jamaica, didn't you? It must have been yeah. quite a culture shock. Not really. And I think my mum and my um, family was here before okay. I came here, so it was it was all right. What age did you come over? Um, I started school in year eleven when I came. Oh, wow. No, it's not. Sorry, sorry. I, I mean, I, I was um, started school in year eight when I came. So I was about eleven, and yeah, back then time twelve. Had you been coming back and forth? No, no, no. First time. What was it like in Jamaica then? Jamaica was nice. Yeah. That's where I grew up in it. It was nice. We've had a few guests on who've been in Jamaican prison with some quite harrowing stories. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us about the nice side. Um, no, obviously I'm from a community in Kingston and all I can remember is my upbringing. It wasn't bad or nothing like that. Yeah. In a sense. So coming to England was a change of climate, change of life. And that's why I probably end up being probably bad. So, so, so for people who've never been to Jamaica then, the change of climate and stuff, like, you know, you go out in England, you see what it's like. Is it a lot different to... to yeah, because it's obviously over here, it's colder, isn't it? When I came, yeah. I think I came in December, so it was cold mm. at the time. And yeah, so... Coming from a hot country and coming to a cold country is too different, you know. Then, yeah. And which part of London did you land in? Um, Peckham. Peckham. <laughs> yeah. And did you? How were you treated in Peckham? Did you fit in right away, or was there um, a bit of no, I've, settling I've, in? I've, no, I've settled. I've settled. If I'm up, came here, I settled. Yeah. So it's more like school. I settled in school, then I start making friends, and then from there it just. It was going uphill first and then it went downhill. At what point did it go downhill? Actually, let's do the uphill first. <laughs> we want to do it all in order of time. When I say uphill, I mean like, obviously I wasn't, as you know, I wasn't bad. You know, yeah. I was good. So it's like coming here and I was more in tune with learning. You know, and then year nine, ten, it just went downhill. What were you interested in when you were learning? Um, science, French. RE, quite a few um, subjects. Music? Mass. No, I didn't like music for some reason. Did you, did you like music? I'm just talking about his future career. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like music <laughs> yeah. at the time. You didn't like it at that time? No. What about sports then? Um, football, running. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, football, running. Yeah, that's about it. So what triggered then the down? I don't know. I, I, you know what? Yeah, I couldn't actually explain because for me, yeah, it's like being with, you know, because sometimes, you know, sometimes people always think it's the people you're around or, you know, something, but it's not even, I wouldn't even say that. I would just say the individual of a person because sometimes you might be comfortable when you're around people and then, you understand you start getting comfortable and then i don't know like i said i can't even explain to you why i went the way i went did you fall into the wrong crowd i wouldn't say that no no i wouldn't say the wrong crowd that's what i'm trying to say to you because i can't be blaming other people for my own experience and what i've been doing in a sense so i can't say it's the old before you know like my mom used to be like thinking it's the crowd but no my mom thought that too yeah, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Jen's been arrested 11 times, you know? Yeah. That's why I said it's the, that, that, that depends on the individuals. <laughs> depends on the individuals. Yeah. yeah. I think the crowd can make it worse. So what was the first time you got in trouble? The first time? Mm. I think I got, um, yeah, 10 I got expelled. And then they took me back. And then 
they, they obviously got rid of me again. Why did you get expelled? Um, a long, that was a long, long story. Oh, please. We <laughs> love like, long stories. No, for me, I don't even... Obviously, I was... Obviously, when I was in school, I was obviously like... Like I said to you, when I, I started that good, then I started bunking class. Then one day I got done for some um, robbery. This time I, I was there, but I didn't participate. I didn't do anything. And from that, it just went downhill. So how did they apprehend you for this robbery and why did they suspect I was, you? No, because I was with the, um, I was around people at the time and they've done something, you understand? And where it was, it was in Elephant and Castle. So it's like from school, I went to the game shop, you understand? I was just in there and I got arrested because I was with two individuals at the time. So it was in a game shop? No, no, no. I was in the gaming shop. Oh, right, yeah, okay. So because I was with the two individuals. I've got arrested the day got arrested and from that I was that was it got arrested for robbery what did they rob this is like this is way back this is like I think it was like bus pass or I don't even know what it was <laughs> I think it was bus pass and something other stuff or something like that this is like way way back mm. so could you get out of that or did they pin it on you um no no um they didn't pin it on me in a sense but because at the time obviously I was like I said to you being bad at the same time it's just like there was so much, you understand, that could obviously have been taking place at the time and then so much pile up and then that was it. Got kicked, excluded from school and that was it. Did you think that was unjust because you hadn't done it? Mm. Yeah, that's what I said. Cause obviously, that's why when I went back because they took me back. And then after that, you understand, I got in trouble with some next stuff now. Uh-oh. Just, I don't think the um, head teacher liked me. <laughs> so it was just like, it's always on my case. And yeah. So what was the next stuff? Oh, when I left school. That you got in trouble for? Um, fights. Mm. <laughs> there's, quite, there's quite a few. And were those fights like people, you were standing up for yourself or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You seem like, it's just like a mild-mannered person. Yeah, yeah. no, as I said, fights, bunking, bunking class. Like, there's just loads of stuff that even one time I think someone pissed outside its um, head teacher's um, what's it called um, office and I got in trouble for that this time I was nowhere near to be seen or nothing to do with it but it's just like for some reason it's always my name getting called up at the time so did you get know. bullied in school? Hmm? did you get bullied? no no Nah, I wouldn't say that just accused of pissing on the head teacher's <laughs> door <laughs> <laughs> who were you hanging out with then at that age? Um, people from my area Peckham. Yeah. Mm. Not Lewisham. No, no, no. When did they become the enemy? No, nah, do you know what, yeah? It's like, it's funny because I used to go to school with certain people from that area. You understand? And I know them, like, know them. So it wasn't a thing like I was against them or nothing like that. That beef was like an inherited beef in the sense of people before my time. And it was just an ongoing thing between the two areas. So that's why, you understand, that became the light into my time. Because obviously my time, them time we was younger. So we was like the upcoming generation. So we obviously end up inherit the same problems of, for other people. So when you inherit a problem like that, what do you have to do about it? You know what, yeah, it's not even, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you in it. Because it's, for me, like I said, like, there was always ongoing back and forth, back and forth. There was a lot of back and forth over the years and it's just escalate, escalate, escalate continuously over and over. But it's died down in the last, probably last 15 years. That's good. Mm. It's got, it went on for that long. How, how serious did it get at the peak? It was very serious. Yeah. Now, obviously now, obviously with the um, crime rate now, they highlight things, but before then they wasn't highlighting it like that. But it was probably worse than now. Wow. Yeah. Understand, but at the time that was a different era yeah so what sort of things would happen start from um, the fights stabs people getting stabbed loads of like i said disrupted kind of behavior kind of stuff so it's always ongoing like people getting stabbed in like, it's, it's it's crazy would you say like a lot of this culture has been adopted from america where you've got like drive-by shootings and that kind of nah, stuff. I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame it on a country. You understand? Yeah. Another country. 
like I said, it's, a, it's, it's on the individuals of people upgrowing and people obviously how they live. So you might, some people might look at it as a gang. Some people don't, you understand? Like when we was growing up, we didn't look at it like, yeah, I'm in a gang or anything like that. We were just a group of friends from an area and there was other people from different areas, you understand? It was like all friends. And that's what I said. I wouldn't say, yeah, I'm in a gang. I'm other, you understand? Some people say a Peckham boy because I'm from Peckham. Yeah. You understand? But me, I wouldn't say, yeah, it's a gang. I would just say, yeah, I live in Peckham and I defend my people in the sense of insane people that can't defend themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I only brought the American thing up because we've interviewed, uh, I think it was G-Real out of Birmingham and Kieran Proverbs out of Manchester. And they describe how it became like bloods and crips, like that was okay. the, the culture that was brought yeah, over yeah, from. Yeah, other areas are different. I don't yeah. think other areas in a sense take it on like that. It's just like there's a, so many areas in London, isn't there? Yeah, you couldn't yeah. just have a blue and a red. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so I noticed I did a bit of research last night. Where did the name Colton S N One come from? Um, gigs. Right. It was just like a nickname because at the time, like Raver was a very bait street name. Bait. So yeah, bait. So it's like when we go places, we do want people to kind of know, you understand, or say the name. So we just kind of had code names, and that was my code name. Why Raver? Oh, Raver. Yeah. Um, Raver was just like my cousin' name was Sparrow, and my name was you understand Raver at the time. Raven. Oh, after a bird, I thought you meant like yeah. Raver. No, no, no. My 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 name was no, it's Raver. Yeah, uh, it was it was like Sparrow Raven in the sense, so we took off the N and put the R. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was it was way back. <laughs> Interesting. So, how did your reputation get so big? Mm. I wouldn't say like, that's what I tried to say. I don't, I couldn't give you an explanation to that because, like I said, I'm kind of a person that I'm humble in a sense and I'm quiet in a sense. But you know, people was talking and saying things and. People didn't know my face in a sense, so there's a lot of that's kind of built a probably stigma over the years because I'm probably always the one person that's always involved. And when I say involved, it doesn't mean necessarily like I'm going to war or anything. I'm probably when I'm talking people out of it, or I can tell people, yeah, right, you know what, let's look at it first. Or there's always two sides to a story. So my name has always been there because if people always look up to me. So did you help people settle disputes then? Yeah, definitely. Have you got any stories of disputes you settled? There's, there's loads. There's loads. I've been in jail. I've seen people try to move to people, you understand, from the other area, other side, and I've intervened loads of time and stop it because obviously, you understand, you know, obviously in prison, it's just like we're all in the same boat, you understand, regardless. And it just gets to the point that if you don't know someone, you can't keep on trying to jump on the bandwagon to be like, right, you know what, because we've got a problem with the person, everyone wants to have a problem with the person. So there's, there's stuff that we kind of like, kind of have to just squash it and put aside. I'm curious how it works then in London prison, because in American prison, it's all gangs by race. So say some street gangs have got a beef, but they're the same race. The gang in prison tells them, all that beef is squashed now, you're with us. Okay, that's yeah. what I said, America, yeah, it's different. Yeah, so how, how is it structured in London prison? It's the same as everywhere in England, isn't it? It's not, like, uh, you have different jaws and you have different characters, in it. In a sense, so it's like, I wouldn't say, there would never been a race thing in jail. Because, like I said, there's too much people from different ethnic um, communities all over. So it's like, I've got white friends before I even went to prison. My son's dad was in the sense obviously my son's godfather is white. In the sense so I don't I couldn't tell you about other prisons and how they look at in other country. But the postcode beefs carry on in the prison system from the streets of London today? Some of them. Some. To a certain extent, in a sense. Like probably now it's probably probably as I said, these kids nowadays is just they don't, I don't know what to say. Do you think it's got worse, the mindset? Yeah, definitely. Because before, in the sun, my, my time, it was all about money. You understand? And if a problem comes, occur, then obviously we deal with a problem, but it was never we going out to cause trouble. And you understand? It was always about money. So what do you tell to these, say to these young people then who've got that mindset, like as a as a, some advice to them, as a, as a man who's been to For prison? For me, I would say... Um, 
at the time, I didn't know what I was good at, you understand? So sometimes it's best people just to think and think, obviously, what, you understand? Because remember, there's a lot of people out there with talents and gifts. And if you don't use your talents and gift, you're only going to end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, some things is so the more time you're putting in negativity, you might as well sit down and put in positive. Because if I knew I could have sang back in the days, I would have never, I would have probably never even gone in the streets, to be real with you. That's what I wanted to ask you. Going back, what age did you start selling drugs? Um, Young, in my teens. I was selling weed. Right. Because obviously when I was selling weed, everyone else was smoking. I, I never smoked, in my, I've never smoked in my life. So I was just selling weed, right, just to the people them around me. And from that, it just kept on going up and up and up and, yeah. Did you get a buzz out of that? Like I got a buzz out of the ecstasy trading. No, no like I said, because I've never smoked weed, you understand? I was just, it's, it's the money, in it? For me, it was just the money. The, the buzz mm. of the money yeah, and the excitement the of being in, the, in that lifestyle. Because you got quite high up the empire, didn't you? Yeah, because obviously, like I said, for me, it was more like helping other people and other than myself at the same time. So providing for people, it's like it's like a business, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Obviously, but it's street-wise. If you know the street, then you will know how to operate and run your business. And that's what it was for us. It was just business. What was the biggest challenges to that business? For me? Yeah. The biggest challenge? Um, getting loads of it and figuring out where it needs to go hiding it even that but sometimes it was more like you know so it's not really even hiding because obviously when you have a phone and you can do as much as you can it was more easier just to just get rid of straight away at your highest point how much were you distributing at my highest point yeah um depends depends <laughs> way way back probably depends it could be them days was like, yeah, probably 50, could be 100. Depends. Did, wow. did um, you get like people got robbed who were working with you or? Nah, nah, nah. Mm. It was more like, nah, it wasn't like that. The police sweating you? Mm, do you know what, yeah? Because I used to buy and sell cars as well. I wasn't really, you understand, on the radar like that. So you're a car dealer? Yeah. <laughs> He's a car salesman. No, I used to buy and sell cars, <laughs> isn't it? Like um, salvage cars back in the days. Oh so is that how you laundered your money then? I wouldn't say laundering. In a sense, I'd just be like, it was just the next hobby, innit? Yeah. At the time. Yeah. I had like a rave clothing music store that I laundered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you throw a rave? Yeah. Monday, when you're putting all the cash in, it's just gate receipts. Not drug money. Mix it all together. Very smart. <laughs> See where it got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What was the like? How did the police trouble escalate in your life now? Um. Yeah, obviously, people around, and there was you know people having problems with other people. I I got involved. It's always the way. Yeah, it's always the it way. It was my main I, guy. Listen, I got involved in things. I had a problem with wild man. It brought everything because down. people were scared of people, and I said, you know, I just intervene in the sand because everyone used to come to me. And I would go to them and say, listen, let's give them their money and you understand. So at the time, this individual was, it's like, it was like a bully, innit? And I phoned him one day, I said, listen, like, sort out the problem, innit? Like, give him, you understand? There was a kid at the time, innit? I said, listen, give him his money. He said, so he, he jacked someone? Yeah. No, he, he, never, he never jacked them physically. He just took something and didn't want to pay for it. So he was just giving them the runarounds. Yeah. And he was getting, in, obviously someone was onto the other person for it. And I just got involved and I said, listen, just give him the money. And he said, yeah, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. And weeks and weeks and weeks go by. And then it just comes to the point that we, I went around to the house one day and went in the house and just him to get the money and it was just it was just it was just long i can't um, picture you being threatening <laughs> you're no, sat in front of me now I even, no it wasn't even, wasn't even a threat because obviously i had respect yeah, in the sense of people respected me in a sense i tried to go that route and then he must have told the police that i come to his house i got nicked for aggravated burglary then i went to jail for two about two three months this is like when i when my son was born my first child mm. child 19 now so from then, it's just like, it's just been downhill again, because obviously he started telling the police that we've got guns, drugs, and a whole heap of rubbish. 
at a time. Frosting. It's always the pieces of shit that cause trouble. <laughs> but when there's retribution to them, they get the police involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely. Wow. So, what was your next... I'm sorry, what, what sentence did you get for that one? No, I didn't get sentence. You didn't get sentence. I was, I was, I was on remand, remand. for um, aggravated burglary. Yeah. But it wasn't burglary. It was because I took something off him. You understand? And at the yeah. time, it's like... What I took off him, he didn't want to tell the police what it was. You understand? I didn't tell the mm. police what it was. And then it came out. He tried to blackmail me when I was in jail. He tried to intimidate my family. Right? It just went. It just went so much. I was just sitting down. I was just thinking, watch when I come out. You understand? That's what I was saying to myself when I come out. Watch. Was that your first time in jail? Yeah. Yeah. And then when I came out, it was just like instantly the first thing I did was bust his head. And I, I bust to, his head. Yeah, straight away. Wow. That's the first thing I've done. And he, when I say he's big, he's bigger than twice, probably two sizes you. And I just, no, nah, because for me, I, I said to you, when I sat down, it's like people intimidate my family, which is my mom. And my mom doesn't know anything about me, you understand? Didn't know anything at the time, nothing. And I was just sitting down and I told all my friends, don't do nothing, you understand? It's just like, nah. Not. And it was so mad at the time, because as I'd done it, he had a panic button and he just pressed the button and then police came and it was just like, yeah, it was just constantly saying. they get you again? No, no, no. No, no, no. I didn't care at the time. I'll be real. I didn't care because I had enough in the sense of when I got arrested, when he, like I said to you, I got nicked for aggravated burglary. But at the time, it wasn't aggravated burglary. You understand? It came out that it was a gun that took off him. And there was this, uh, then end up getting it's just a long story because other people was involved and the other person ended up giving the police the gun so when they come I said listen I don't know nothing about no gun you know son I'll just um you know son but like I said it was just ongoing continuously like non-stop so from then that's when we become highlighted because he was saying yeah but this time it was his thing you know son so it was just like uh, it's mad like I said most people don't even know these stories it's just like it's crazy, and that's what led up to me going to jail for a long time, because obviously they started to be onto us, meaning me and my group of friends, and then it just went pear shape. In what way? Um, everyone started going to prison. Everyone started getting watched. People getting houses getting kicked in. You understand? Just loads of different things. People started to grass here and there, and you know, like it always is. People just always talking and. That's what kind of, you understand, sometimes they don't see things until they get um, a result and then it's just, yeah. So when was your next arrest following? After that, I never had another arrest. F- for, the, the for, the, for the big one then. That's the big one. Take yeah. us mm. through the day of your arrest. Um, When I got arrested, basically they found a car three months before I got arrested. So when they was making out like I was in, because people thought I was in the car, we was driving and they got stopped. No, they find a car parked up because obviously someone led them to the car. And they've removed the car. We knew it was in the car. So just like three months after, for me, I was on the run, but they didn't know that I knew I was on the run. You understand? So I was just kind of just hiding out. And then. So that car had a quantity of merch. Yeah. 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 Merch. One, one day I was somewhere. My friend came and picked me up. And loads, I've seen loads of dodgy stuff between the time because I was thinking like I wasn't living with my mom at the time. You understand? So my mum my mom phoned me one day said, I see a dodgy car outside the house. Every time I come outside the house, they're going in the back of the car and they're putting the same stuff back in and back and forth. So I was like, okay, so I've come out my I've come out of the other house. It's on the same road. So I've looked and I saw them. So I phoned someone, I said, go around the back here and see if these um undercovers. So they went they drove around, they see undercovers. I said, drove around the other road, they see undercovers. So I knew what was going on at that time. But no one obviously in the family knew or nothing like that. So I just kind of just kept a low key. And it got to that point, like, from July. I think the final car, I can't remember when they find a car, June, July. And I got nicked in October. So when I got nicked in October now, I was on my way to go get some money from someone. And then I just felt something, and I see something. I was like, right, this, this, I'm getting followed. But remember, like I said to you, I wasn't at home, nothing like that. So it was just like my friend was getting followed now. Because he got nicked for some line that he was running in country, and my car was in a sign. I had a car at the time. My car was sitting there. Like it was just, it was just mad, innit? So it's like we was getting followed, and I was like, "Ross, we're getting followed." And he's like, "No, we're not." 
in the sun because he just signed on at the police station. I said, no, we're getting followed. And then I see a car, the car turned off, I see a next car. I said, no, we're definitely getting followed. And I see a bike. And when we, when we saw the bike now, we were driving. So I said to him, listen, indicate right. So Southampton Way, it indicate right, but we're not going right. So as we're going to go right now, I, I attempt to turn the wheel quick. So he's turned the wheel. So the bike went like that. That's when I knew. So I said, okay, now I know. So <laughs> we start driving now. Then the bike had to obviously come back because it was a red light. Then the car came. I said, that's fed. So I said, bust the red. So I bust the red light. So we bust the red light. So they, you know, they're not going to just come onto me like that because obviously they're waiting for backup. And then we've end up in a circle when I end up in Ellsbury Estate. So I said, look, drive through. So when we got to near East Street, I could have jumped out the car and run off into the um, East Street, which is the crowd, obviously a market. So I said, no, I need to know what they've got. So I just said to my friend, listen, drive to the estate. So we're driving through the estate now. Then I see three cars coming fast. So I said, all right, stop. So when we stop now, stop at the junction, then my cousins like, were living around at the time. And I said to him, give me your phones. And so I took his phones and gave him my phones. Because they wasn't interested in him, they was interested in me. And then that was it. They shut the tires out, dragged me out, and they're saying open I didn't even open the door or nothing. I, they were saying open the window, open the door. I said, I'm not moving. So I had my hands up, I'm not moving. Dragged me out. They said, Yeah, got him, arrested me, and that was it. Taken away. What was going through your head? Nothing at the time. Like I said to you, I knew because I knew what was going on at the time, and I knew that I was getting followed. And like I said, I was going to do something. So it kind of distracted me from what I was going to do. So I said, listen, well, my friend has to listen, go back upstairs because I'm getting followed in the sun. And at the time, I only had three grand on me. So I was just like, once they arrested me, they was, they was happy in it. But I still wanted to know what was going on, how and what, in the sun, the loop of what was going on. And from then it just went downhill again. So which, where were you held in the beginning? I was held in um, Wolf Road Police Station. How long were you in that one? Um, probably about three days. And were you like the prize because they've been surveying you know for what? so long? You know what? Yeah, I don't know. I, they was happy when I when I got arrested. They was happy. It's like yeah, we've got him because there was other stuff going on. You understand? So they were like yeah, we've got him. But like I said, for me, I was just like I knew you understand what was going on. So what were the charges? Um, firearms, firearms, um, explosives. Um, drugs. Yeah. Was that all stuff that was found in the car? Yeah. Gotcha. Mm. And were your co-defendants being brought in at the same no time? No co-defendants. No co-defendants? Not in my case. Okay, that's good. So what was your game plan at that point? Oh, my game plan was just, like I said, there was other people getting arrested for it, but my game plan was to just go alone. So I end up in the sun, polishing up everything else and gone and done the case on my own. You have to go to trial? Yeah. How long did it take for you to go to trial? It took, um, the trial was seven days. So what, how about, did that feel? Um, do you know what, yeah? Like, it was mad because there was so much going on at the time. You know, and when, when I went to the court in, say, October, I got nicked. And I went, I can't remember when I went court after that. And I went court again in February 2007. Then... I can't remember September. It's just mad. It was so fast. It was like my case, even when I went to the old Bailey, they was like, This is too we don't want this here because it's too, it's not that serious mm. in the sun. And then I thought, okay. So I just started trying to figure out how am I gonna get out of this. Went to inner London, then trial had twelve juries, one black person, and it was funny because inner London, South London. You understand? So if, to have one black person on a jury, it just don't make no, you understand? It's just, it's just mad of anything. So I was just thinking something's not right. Then after they took off the person saying, no, you can't do it no more because someone's sick in his family. So I end up with 11 juries. And I'm saying, no. Nah. So I was still not trying to go to trial. Okay, went to the prison in Brixton now. They've come to me and got my DNA. But they've already had my DNA from before that. So that didn't add up. In the sun, and they didn't come to arrest me. They just come and took my DNA. Three police officers, and this ain't even out in the sense of even like the um, guards and governors and that. No one didn't want to get involved in the sun. So that was like, as like I said, there was so much 
um, corruption going on. It's just like, in a sense, it, so you feel it, like you were set up? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Fix was in. Because mm. they had my DNA before I've been arrested. So it's what, like they've lost my DNA. What, yeah. what was your lawyer telling you about all this? Um, no one didn't, like I said, because no one didn't give the proof of how they came and signed in the prison or anything like that. It was just like, how do you actually fight this? In a sense, so it's just like, yeah, no, like I said, no one didn't want to get involved. First the officer said, yeah, he'll um, give a statement. Next minute, he didn't. So I don't know if it's the governor that, you understand? It was mad. So you must have felt defeated at this point. Yeah, definitely. And did they tell you you were facing a big sentence from the get-go? No, because like I said to you, when I, went to the, when I went to court, like, because I knew I was fighting it and I had my defence, my defence was kind of tied up, you understand? So I could tell you, I didn't think I, I, didn't think I was going to sit down and done the time or in the sun. I didn't think nothing like that was going to happen the way my defence was drafted up. So... It was just going, everything was going wrong. The, the officers that was involved in the case, they've obviously handed the case to someone else because they know if they're going to stand, in a sense, they're going to be questioned about the other stuff. So they've handed the case to someone else that's not involved. And it's just, yeah. Protecting their own corruption. Yeah. So actually like getting in the trial then, did you have to go and speak on your behalf yeah. and all that stuff? Yeah. How does that feel? Um... Like I said, I, I was just, like I said, I knew what was going on, in a sense, I knew what I was going to do. So I was speaking, in a sense, the facts of my defence. Like I said, I don't want to talk about my defence, what my defence was. I was just like, yeah, this is what I'm running with. And that's what I kind of tried to run with, in a sense. So they was like all over the place at first. They was thinking, right, this guy's going to end up getting off. Then they start doing bare stitch-ups. And then it just went, like I said, the judge started to be one-sided. And the jury started to be one-sided from the start. So we didn't get what was going on. I just knew they were... For me, I just say to you, there was police in the jury at the same time. They play so many dirty tricks. Did the prosecutor try and trip you up when you understand? Yeah, he tried to, but there was nothing really. You understand? Because like I said, I've been arrested for something that they found three months ago. So there was not really much for them to kind of try and trip me up on. They was trying to more likely talking about other stuff with other people that yeah if i come out of jail people are gonna you understand this is happening and i need to it's just it's just there's shooting there's just everything that's nothing to do with me they've kind of highlighted you understand like bare stuff and then it was just back and forth back and forth but it was funny because like i said to you my child should have never been seven days should have been more than that but it's just like everything was just a rush was the was the deliberation a rush as well yeah how, how long did it take um Went there Monday by the Friday. That was it, basically. Then I went back. I can't remember when I went back to get um sentence. Were your family and friends present in the courtroom? Yeah. Yeah. How did they feel? Do you know what? After when I got found guilty in that year, like people probably thought I was gonna I don't know. I don't know. I was just more like just sitting there and just nothing, you know. And then when the police look at me, I start sticking up my finger and that. And I was all tough. So I think my aunt catch me when I stick my finger up. Like a so you should like, Got you know, off. tough. No, because obviously they've never seen me swear in it, so I was just like, oh, <laughs> I just kept it moving. Yeah, when my mum and dad spoke on my behalf. I was like, I was heartbroken listening to them. Did your family speak on your behalf? No, I didn't want to get other people involved. I got you know, one or two people in a sign that I knew was capable of handling it, but I didn't get other people involved like that. Mm. So when the, the jury came back in and they pronounced the sentence then, um, what was the sentence and what went through your head at that moment? Um, the, the judge was talking, he was saying, yeah, 20 years, but circumstances, we're gonna, I'm going to do this um, 10 years IPP. But at the time, I didn't know what IPP was, you understand? So I was just like, oh, okay. Can you tell the viewers what IPP is? Um, indefinite public protection. So it's like some people do... Some people can get a year. I've seen people that's got a year IPP and done seven years or six months IPP and done seven years. You understand? Because that's American law. And IPP is morally for people. It's meant to be people that's for free strikes. You understand? But it's like the judge, was, they were just giving them out, not knowing what they was about. Just giving it, giving it. And there was no courses in place for no one to do. So that's why a lot of the people just went over time and over tariff. So for me, I was just thinking, okay, 10 years. Mm. you know I was thinking oh five years okay but it's not like that for IPP it's either you're doing the whole of it or you know something you can go out on tariff that's mm. it 
it really mm. messes with people's heads and just to sell the viewers um so on this channel we are campaigning against the ipp sentencing it was a chapter of political history that was closed down but all these guys are like frozen in time into these indeterminate sentences and the tip of the spear of our campaign to end ipp is led by our podcast guest pepsi watson he was in the first 10 guests we had on and if you're aware that you know you can get recalled at any time he was out there doing all the activism on speaker's corner he, started, he had his own youtube channel got sponsored by someone who, who viewed him on our channel and uh, he got recalled a couple of times he's back in now and he's had a tremendous amount of support from people but um send me an email if you want to get in touch with pepsi he is looking for you know mail is like gold in there for people when they're going through things and the lockdowns and everything else the self-harm suicides he said it's off the scale so if people want to reach out to pepsi and support the ipp thing we're doing send me an email through my contact box on my website and we'll i'll connect you with him um yeah so it's it's, it's a bit of a head wreck isn't it yeah uh, um what what prison did you go to first um from i went brixton pentaville loudham grange Honley. And then Stamford Hill. So Why did it move you around so much? No, yeah. In the in the time that I've been moved around, I've known people that's been doing less than me and been in twenty jails. They don't like you to settle down because yeah, exactly. you make mates, make escape plans, threat to the security institution. Yeah. Think that's that's the that's how they justify it in America. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, from Brixton because Brixton was um at the time Ramon prison. It wasn't okay. yeah, it wasn't the holding prison. So Brixton, I think I spent two years in Brixton. So you, you were pretty well established in that one then. Yeah. And then you got moved. Mm -hmm. Do you have to start all over again to get established? They tried to meet me for time in Brixton. They, they teach me up in Brixton so much. Like, the day, so, how? Yeah. Um, one day I've got arrested, I've um, got nicked for escaping. And yeah. <laughs> Talk us through that. <laughs> yeah. Um, people, two people's fighting. And this officer was trying to, um, whatever, sort this fight out, whatever, yeah. Then my name ended up coming up. Said, yeah, I tried to grab keys. I said, me? They said, yeah. Got arrested for it. And I son got nicked. And that was just like hearsay, was yeah. it? Yeah. No evidence of anything. No evidence. Then a couple of months, I was I was in the escape suit for months. So I, I heard about that suit. It's the yeah. He-Man suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right, yeah, um, green and yellow. So I was in the suit for um, a couple of months. So basically, you don't have nothing in your soul. What's the suit like? Sorry. It's, it's, it's like a jumpsuit. But he's just, it's just colourful, you understand? Anywhere you go, people can he see like him. like a fucking clown yeah, walking yeah, around yeah, prison. Yeah. Oh my God. So you're not allowed your clothes in that, you understand? So it's just like, when you go in your cell, they take it off and you understand you can be in, in clothes and that in your cell, but you can't walk up and down in it. So they put me there. I was in my He-Man suit for a couple of months. And then one day I saw the officer that they said I tried to grab the keys. Because obviously there was that investigation going on. So I've approached the officer now and I said, rah, I went mad. I said, how we? I said, "What am I getting arrested for? Um, for grabbing keys?" He said, "What are you talking about?" In a sense, so I said, "What?" He's like, "I never said no. You grab no keys." So I went mad and I said to them, "Listen, if you lot don't take this off from now, if you don't give me my stuff, I'm gonna burn this and I walk around naked." And then that was it. But at the time, you understand, they was like, All right, "Cool, we're gonna sort it out." And then I got caught with a phone in my He-Man suit. In a sense, so they was like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> they was like, "Yeah,", yeah. Like, but way it was obviously because they search your cell every single day and whatever yeah they find the phone in the chair so i'm saying well that's not my problem you understand because you lot come to my cell every 20 minutes so when would i get time to use a phone mm. so that was just like dismissed and after that everything went back to normal and i just thought you know what just start selling phones and i just start doing everything selling phones selling drugs what security level prison was this? Brixton. Mm. So what category is it? Um, BCAT. BCAT. Wow. And, and um, you said they set you up on a few other things. Um, yeah, there's been drugs, like, bare stuff. Like, these times, and I said, I'm always clean, in it? So mm. <laughs> it's just like, I've been nicked with bare phones. But when I used to get, when I used to get arrested with phones and that, because I know they can't give me extra days, I didn't care. You understand? So I didn't go through the extent that certain people go through to have a phone. Mm. Like, How much I, is a phone in prison? Depends. Depends. You can sell a phone for 200, 300 pounds, 500 pounds. Yeah. Depends. Depends at the time. So for me, like I've always had, when I went to Brixton, I've always had a phone. Always had a phone. And 
like I said, because I know they couldn't give me extra days for anything. All I can do is go block and just come back out and then same thing, routine again. So I didn't care at the time. But like I said to you, when everything, when I got sentenced, I just thought, you know what, this is it. Just start doing what I wanted to do. And then they wanted to get rid of me. They basically begged me to move from the prison. They begged me like, well, please, just let's go. They'd had enough. Yeah, I said, yeah, that was it. So you went up, up categories, did you? No, I went on to another BCAT, which is Pentaville. Yeah. And how did you settle into Pentonville? Went there, chilled out for a bit, and yeah, it was, it was all right. What was your daily routine? Um, you know what, yeah, my daily routine, I don't even know. I can't even explain to you because I wasn't <laughs> even like a gym, I wasn't even a gym freak or nothing like that. So I was just more like in my own space. In the sun. That's why I said to you because obviously I've been arrested so much when I was in prison for phones and that. You go to the block, yeah, isolation. It's just like for me, it's just nothing. In the sun, because no TV, got paper and pen, and that's all I cared for. I got a paper and pen. I just started writing. And it's time to meditate and write, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What about the food then? How was that in the prison? Um, the food is always going to be. Um, no, the food's all. It's all right in the sun, but. When we when I was in Brixton, I was getting food from outside. Oh, yeah. What snuck in? Yeah. <laughs> what sort of stuff? Chinese, KFC, <laughs> <laughs> along mobile, alongside mobile phones. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't have to eat the slop. No. Pentonville was all right. It was all right. I chilled in Pentonville. Mm. Went to Loudham Grange. I chilled in Loudham Grange because there was no phone at the time there. But they had phones in the cell, so it was just like, you know what, new start. From then, I just left there, went to um, only, only a couple of years in. I just chilled. And then after that, yeah. Did yeah. you know people everywhere you went? Do you know what? Um, people's heard of me. And I've always seen, yeah, a few people in certain prison and that. Did you see many fights in there? In the Do you know what, yeah? No, not on, not like... Fight probably other places or elsewhere, but not with me or anyone like that. No. What kind of beefs are going on around you? Well, other areas. Is it, is it like drug debts and stuff? Probably, that yeah, most yeah, problems yeah, in prison. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, it's what the most violence usually revolves around, debts. Is that why you got into music then? Um, do you know what? It's funny because when I left um, Loudham in 013, it's like I was, with, I was there from 010. So it's like I've been with people, nothing to do with music. And I said, they were doing music, I wasn't doing music. Went to Loudham, I mean only. And then when I went to only, I was more like deep in my Bible at the time. So I was more like reading my scriptures every day. In a sense, I started changing my ways and that. And then, yeah, from that, it's just one day I woke up and started singing. What? Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. Started singing, then as I started writing, started to um, ask people how to help me, how to make music. And every time I would go to someone, no one would help me. Like it's like something's always blocking me from them helping me. Or so I just kept kept on just have my paper and pen. I just kept on writing every single day. Would you say that's what kept you going? Mm, I was, I, yeah, it did keep me going because, like I said, at the time I was going to write a book, and I thought to myself. Because obviously, this, like I said, music was coming to me so often. I was like, what do I do? Do I write a book or do I make music? I said, if I write a book, it's going to take forever. If I write music, I can keep on making more. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just learned how to kind of structured um, writings and that. Entered some competitions in prison. Did you enter the Curseless Trust competition? I can't remember. I can't remember if I entered that one, but I entered ones outside, which is like um British songwriting competition. And my first writing, I got, I missed the semi-final. And then the next following year after, it, I got to the semi-final. But at the time, I didn't know what the really? prize was. The That's prize, yes, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what the prize was at the time. Because I thought, I was just entering competitions. And I think the prize money was like 300 grand. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my first, my first, first Chump change. Writing, <laughs> Holy so shit. I missed that. Yeah, I missed that. The semi, missed the semifinals. Oh, that was just so only writing. So I was like, rah. Oh. I was thinking if I made music in a sense I just kept on writing 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 and just non-stop so this is when you were in prison yeah how encouraging how you was out? that then hmm? oh there you go what, how encouraging was that the music well I said how were you getting the paperwork out no I didn't have to get the paperwork out no I've got paperwork when I was writing on but I didn't have to get the paperwork out I just had my phone and I was been <laughs> <laughs> texted it through yeah oh shit <laughs> wow well that's so, so when you came that close then 
because you said other people wasn't helping you so there was no one acknowledging yeah. your skills yeah did that finally f- make you think right i've got something here got- no 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 do you know what it was like i said for me because everything was coming to me like sometimes i had dreams and i had songs that i was writing in my dream in my sleep and that because i had a paper and pen beside my bed every day so i was writing in my sleep and then i just start thinking, you know what this is weird because obviously i had melodies that i've never heard and i've asked people and they're like no i've never heard that before so I just kept on going, 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 going. So what I had to do, I gave away my stereo at the time and all my CDs and that because I wanted to kind of know how to, and as I didn't want not influenced by no one. So I was just doing everything on my own accord. Gave my stereo, I paid £200 for my stereo. I gave it away, gave all my CDs away. And I sat down every single day and I just wrote for like two years straight every day. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Did things, anything interrupt that? Mm. No, because where I was at the time, because I was working in the church at the same time, I'll just go and work in a sense so I could do what I want anyway. So I was just writing every day. So the only thing I'd do was just food, shower, in the sun, but I was still writing, doing continuously like it was just like more and more going in the sun. You know, sometimes you you start something, you think, okay, but then you're just getting more and more into it. And for two years, like I said, for two years it was just non stop third year. I started writing and freestyling and then after that came out recorded in a sound then tried to get my sound couldn't get my sound then i basically trying to just got my sound now wow. how many different jobs did you work in prison um i can't remember you know one probably about five or something like that what sort of jobs did I work in? I didn't work in the gym. I think I worked on surgery, worked in the workshops, like conductor, like obviously organizing for everyone else and that. And in Christ, um, yeah, church, I was the orderly. And I can't remember, yeah, on the wing cleaning, like, yeah. When you were on the wing cleaning, the, were people asking you to pass things around? No, 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 I never do that. Okay. No. What was your favorite job? Um, when I was working in the church as an orderly, because mm. like I said, I could sit down, I can write, I can do whatever. Basically, with the you understand, there was instrument there, but I didn't really play the instrument and like that. But I was just learning how to kind of focus on myself and write more. So it was just more time. I just go there, do what I need to do, and just chill and just write. If I'm correct, you were incarcerated for eleven years. No, Ten I of them. Ele- no, I done eleven years, two months. I was in, I was, basically, they gave me 10 years IPP and then they took it down to eight years, nine months. Okay, because you were in Cat B yeah. up until the last year where you got moved to Cat uh, yeah. D. Yeah. What was the difference there? Um, no, I was in Cat C that time. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Oni's a Cat C. So at the time, going to Cat D now, it was more like an open prison. It was just more like you know, independent and so you can walk up and down. Everything's different, isn't it? The time that you locked up is different. You don't lock. Basically, you don't, your door don't lock. Mm. In the sun, no, your door don't lock in cat, on certain cat these The toilet's outside, so if you can go, you know, so you can go at any time. You can go get jobs outside, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And get days out and stuff. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Go to the Chinese restaurant. Is <laughs> that what you do? <laughs> That's what you said. It's like Chinese. Who's getting food in? Even D cat was getting food. D cat, everyone's getting. Food. still getting food in D cat. Yeah. People just probably you've got people that just run over and jump over the fence and go. Yeah, people are still getting food in. Isn't it? I know someone who was at the one in Brighton and they used to throw tennis balls over with drugs in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He used to get days out and all sorts. Yeah, <laughs> Newcats yeah, are all right. Yeah. What were your cellmates like over the whole prison sentence? You know what, yeah? I had a cellmate if I choose to. Because mm. obviously the sentence I was doing, if I don't want a cellmate, I just tell him I'm not in a son. Mostly I was in a single cell. That's the best. Yeah. What, you just told him you didn't want anyone in yeah, there? Yeah, I tell him straight, I don't want no one in there. And... I used to tell him straight, like, if anyone comes in here, yeah, I just used to tell him straight, if anyone comes in, I, just, I don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to say, if anyone comes in here, you know, so they, they, they wasn't even trying to, in a sign. Yeah. Yeah. So they never tried to put someone in with you? No. I remember one time they tried it. I went in the shower and someone said, there's someone in your cell. So I have come out the shower so fast there, he was gone. I said, I come out this and then I took him out. <laughs> I said, no, I told him no. I said, no, yeah. I said, only unless I say, yeah, someone can come in the cell, yeah. But at the time, no, I wasn't even playing that game. So you were well respected. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's just like, because of the sentence I was doing, you understand, they're not going to just want to just put someone with a lifer. 
Remember, I was a lifer at the time. It's not like I never had a release date. So even up to 2017, I never had a release date until I went to parole and got released. What was it like going through your sentence without a release date? Do you know what? I didn't think about it. I was talking to someone about it the other day. I said, I didn't think about it once. I just said, you know what? I just got my head down. And the only time I remembered how long I was in my sentence is when I had a year and a half left. Mm. I was like, oh, I've got a year and a half left. Wow. And then that was obviously I went DCAT. And then from there, I came out 2017, December. Yeah, not having a release date is the worst thing in the world because... Well, you'd get up every you day and you don't. Once you got a release date, you know when you're getting your life back. Mm. So my remand period was 26 months and I didn't know what the hell was going on. That was the worst because I just, once I did get sentenced, then I could see I was happy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but you see the anxiety of people, especially facing a lot of time. Mm. They just, yeah, it drives them crazy, some people. Or they, they just fall back on drugs. And, yeah, yeah, I've seen, I've seen yeah. a lot of people do that. Yeah, yeah. I've seen a lot of people give up. I've seen a lot of people do mad things. Did people commit suicide? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people try to try to. I've seen people just yeah. Mm. More time, like sometimes people come to me and sit down. I'll sit down and give people my time because they will ask me that. Because you'll come up experiencing that. They'll say, "Rah, how did you get through this? How you understand? Know, how did you understand?" Know, so I've always sit down with people and just give them my time. Mm. I've changed a lot. Even that certain people that was trying to commit suicide, you understand that suicide. I've changed a lot of people with mind frame because obviously I'm always giving them my time and just sitting down with them and just talking to them. You understand that? Just trying to do what I can to help them. What advice would you give a young person in that situation facing a lot of time? Um, I'm facing a lot of time now. Or, or mm, doing a lot right, of time, yeah. yeah. You know what? Right. Only, only thing they can do is kind of just get to know themselves and do some educational, educational stuff like, you understand? Because you know they'll say, yeah, you can get um, certificates of, of loads of stuff and that. just get some trades in that. Like, just keep learning about yourself, you understand? You have to make the, you have to make the most of it, basically. Mm. And for me, like I said, that's why I had to just sit down for all the years. That's what, you know what, yeah? Like, I'm sitting down, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, yeah? So when I went to, um, from only to loud from Laudham to only I did say to myself okay from when I went to Laudham I said no what from up for I leave when I leave here I will never go back on the roads you understand sell drugs or nothing like that and from then I just thought yeah kept it moving just more in my scriptures and that and then I'm here how hard is it for the young people not to fall into the drug lifestyle in prison it's it's it's, it's, it's very hard because remember sometimes some people need you understand certain things to carry them through the day sometimes like it's, it's very hard like sometimes people survive on it you understand like in the sense of some people don't want to get, get money you understand so they end up selling drugs to kind of look after themselves and yeah and some of them just want to block out how long they're doing as well don't mm -hmm. they from their heads because it's too traumatic to think about what what how has the drug culture changed over the time you were inside but outside our in, 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 the, in the prison it changed because there's always different stuff coming in so you know like you have first you know it was hard drugs so it was like the normal stuff then it just became like heroin crap it's yeah. always been heroin but spice yeah. has been the, yeah that's the, the recent yeah, the, yeah, some, mm. yeah. Called synthetic drugs so they were like they're not drugs basically you're mm. just made up in the sun and just people just taking it and that's the worst one. Did you see people wigging out? Listen, that's the worst one because there's people like having fits. People die from it. And when I say it's the worst one because people, I've, I've, I've seen people that used to take it. I used to cuss them all the time. And what I used to do, I used to shame them in the sense of, say, oh, you're a crackhead. So I said, you're better off smoking crack because mm. at least with the crack, you know, something to you, you would know, you know, that like you'll still have a certain mind frame. you still in a sand beat or a rap but with these drugs now like I know people that used to do it all the time they used to do, they used to do some madness for it like they do so much street business and I've seen someone a couple of people and I used to say to them why are you smoking that they're like oh because it don't come up in my system so when obviously I get piss tests and that it don't come up so that's why people was taking it in a sense because obviously when you smoke weed and in a sense comes up and that's so all people just using that as that reason and then some people in a sense like when I say mad people, it's just, it's just made a lot of people mad. 
some people have gone mad from it like it's, it's crazy because I remember someone that was taking it one time and he said right you have to stop taking because one day he said he was sleeping and then all he's saying to his in his head like cut his soulmate's throat cut his soulmate's throat cut his soulmate's throat yeah, yeah and from that he said he got up and when he got up to do it he said he was holding the bed for like he was holding it on to the bed until he calmed down and from that he just stopped and said no nah, never again no wow yeah. Wow. What other crazy stuff did you see people doing on Spice I hear about? Um, <laughs> officers getting shit up. Loads of stuff. Officers getting shit up, so how does that work out there? You should, I can't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no part of it. <laughs> even one, even like, even in only, imagine I come back from a visit, yeah, and someone dashed something on the officer and I'm smiling, coming on the wing, yeah, and I got in trouble for it. Really? Yeah, because they said I, I was smiling. I just come from a visit. See, my family is telling me, yeah. I'm smiling. I said, what's this got to do with me? Even the officers here came to me and said, right, like, they couldn't understand it, but it's the governor. At the time, I think the governor's racist, one of the governors. So she was just trying to get anyone, you understand, because they couldn't get the person. And then when the officers came to me, they were like, right, we have to search your soul and blah, blah, blah. And I said, what's this got to do with me? You understand? So they came, searched the cells, and that was it. How important were visits to you? Um, you know what? It was it was it was all right, but more time I was just kind of just like kind of just. If I didn't have a choice, I wouldn't have it. In a sense, I would just be like, I, for me, like I said to you, because I was just in my own world. I just didn't really care, but I know my family cared. In a sense, so I had to have one and two visits to make them see I'm all right. In a sense, to you, but I was in my world in my mind frame that I know what I'm doing and know where I'm going. So I was just kind of just focusing on that. When you say you wouldn't have it, is that because you didn't want to put your family through it? Yeah. Because uh, some people say as well, like the visit's great, but then when you go back to your cell, it's like no, I was anti anti climax. No, I was all right. Yeah. You understand? Because like I said, to you, I knew how to deal with it. Like me, I'm a patient person, so I've got a lot of time. You understand? I can just sit down and be like, right, you know what? Like I said, if it wasn't for my my son and my mum and dad, uh, I wouldn't care. I'd just be like, you know what? get over it in some thing to you but because of their sake and everything i just had to do certain things in a sense so coming out now it's just like raw that's why i have to turn my life around because i'm thinking right now what like if it was only me i wouldn't care about the burdens on them at the same time because it's not just only me doing the sentence it's them as well in a sense so i just had to uh, start thinking about certain things and came home and yeah yeah and that's an important lesson for the young people isn't it you're into crime when your mum's visiting you and your mum's yeah, in the courtroom and all that Yeah. What did your parents think then about your transformation and your zest for writing you know all what? of yeah, a sudden? And, you know what? It's kind of, it's, kinda, it's, it's hard to describe because my mum didn't see the transformation of me doing anything on the roadside because I had that hidden from, you understand? I've always had it hidden. It's not a thing like, yeah. So it wasn't like out there like that to her. She was oblivious to it. Must have been quite a shock when you got arrested then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even my neighbours in that, they was oblivious to it, you know, something to it. It wasn't a thing like, well, for some people, just hard to be understanding, right, what's going on here. Next you know. <laughs> so other than the thing that you almost won, what other positive reinforcement did you start to get back from your art? Um, I started growing. And like when I say growing, I mean like my ability in the sun, from my, like I said, from when I entered the competition and that, that's when I knew that in the sun it was serious, in the sense of, and I was thinking at the time, I was writing, my writing was like a year old. I was thinking, right, you know, if I write two years, if I write this song, in the sun, I just kept on, like I said, I've, I've got, when I say I've got, I've got so much writing, uh, if I stop now, I'll still have writing to last me a lifetime. That's how much writing I've got, <laughs> like, so much. And I've not used nothing from prison to this day. Wow. That's amazing. What was the day of your release? Um from DCAT. It was from DCAT. So I already been I was already out. I was already mm. coming home. Um weekend visits and you know some home town visits and that. So it wasn't really much to say, yeah. You know, if it was from another if it was from BCAT or CCAT, then it would be different. But I was already transitioning sorry, transitioning into in a sign of release. I think they should do that with most young adults, is put them in the cap D before they get released so they get Climatized to yeah, release. So just throwing them straight yeah. out. Yeah. So check about the gates. And what was your plan 
to get your life you know back on track and not go back to oh my plan was i was focusing on the music i wanted to obviously i want to be a writer when i write for people so my plan was just like okay you understand right now it's in existence because obviously i'm doing it going to the studio see how it feels and i've grown over the years so it's like this year will be five years i'm out and sometimes it's hard for uh ipp prisoner to be out this length of time because any little what's it called that's it straight recall you're sitting there for two years or more just are you looking over your shoulder no 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 there's always the threat that's the thing it's like non-stop do you know what? because i already made up my mind i'm not doing anything you understand i don't go around people that's on the road doing anything so mm. if it's not music i don't want to know if it's not positive like i said for me i was just kind of just focused on me you know something to some right now me going to prison, I would say, yeah, it's my best ever, you understand, thing because obviously it made me who I am today. I wouldn't say I regret it. I wouldn't, you know, I'm thinking if someone said, would you turn it back? I would say no, because I know who I am now, you understand. So for me, I just focus on what I'm doing and just keep on going. Took the positive out of it. Yeah. That's really good. What about your former crew members? Have they been supportive or have some of, you've lost some of those? You know yeah, no, years? it's not even that. Because, I've, because of my license and condition and that, yeah, I don't really talk to no one. You know, something to, like I said, I don't talk to people else doing what anything to do with me because I've got a list of long people as well that I'm not allowed around. So they put a lot of stuff in place for me. I'm not allowed in Peckham. So it's just like, for me, it was easy because I'm like, I don't have nothing in here there. You know, so my family don't live there. So for me, we're just like, okay. And I had to agree to them conditions. That's why I'm here now. Mm. People who you were formerly associated with then who stayed in the lifestyle, have any of them died? Mm, do you know what, yeah? I, over the years, people have died, but I can't, you know, some people probably died from crashes. Right? Just natural. I wouldn't say people died from gang-related because when I've been in jail, a lot of people transitioned in changing their life. And a lot of people, you understand, like, moved on, like, business-wise, and where certain people is now, you know, sometimes they've worked very hard to get there. Mm. What advice would you give to someone who's facing jail to turn the life around? Um, if they're facing jail, I've nothing I can say. Mm. In the sense, if they're not facing jail now, in the sense of if they're going to go out there and do the same, like right now, like I said, right now, I just look at it like this here: who'd want to go to prison right now? Because then it was easy. And the time of time changes with the corona and all that, yeah. And people ain't coming out there so yeah. It's just who wants to go to prison now? You understand? Mm. That's up to them because you're only gonna sit down, you're gonna be slavery into working. And like I said, some people don't realise like when you go to prison, you can only spend a certain amount. You can only wear a certain kind of you understand, you can't wear certain amount of clothes. You understand you can't even like the money you work for, it's not even it's it's pointless. You know, something because you're working for seven pounds, which you can give you're giving your child more than you know, some pocket money on the weekend. So it's just, it's just mad. So you've got two children now, haven't you? Something like that. Something like that. Something like that. You got more? No, no, I've got two. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, and then obviously you're carrying on with the music. I was listening to your song "Bad Up" last night. Okay. Yeah, where was that filmed? Um, Bridges Park. Oh right, yeah. Looks like an event. Nice cars. No, it, was, it was a nice. It was a nice day out. Not booties. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a nice day out. We just, you know, I just yeah. one day I just thought, you know what, let's just go and that was it. Mm. Just let people have fun and we just left it as that. Oh, but that's not the kind of music I'm more into. You know, just... well, you said about switch from R and B to dancehall. Yeah, because basically, I was trying to write music for people in a sound like around the world in the sense of, you know, like Bob Marley, you can listen to Bob Marley anywhere, you know, some things like that. I just wanted to have people have feel good music. So I wasn't trying to do nothing to do with no violence or nothing to do with that swearing or nothing like that. So I kind of tried to just focus. But what happened was I don't think people was ready for my, that style, you know, son, which is like, it's hard, isn't it? Because the first song I've actually put out is my Mother's Day song. And... A lot of people never gravitate to it, you know, something to you. But then you think to yourself, what is, like, it's it's crazy. I've made cancer songs. I've made people, recorded them. 
Like, it's just crazy, isn't it? Because people don't gravitate to nothing unless it's negativity. Mm. And that's what you have to understand with the, the music game right now. So when I was going to release a song I was going to release, I changed genre. And I thought, you know what? Let me just go dance because I know dance is more easy to kind of get in with the DJs, get in with the crowd in the sun because people just want to hear what they want to hear. So I just that's why I put that song out as my first release under in the sun raver. Yeah. So what's in store for Raver now? Um, I've got an EP coming out tomorrow. Sweet. And I've got got loads of music coming out this year. But what I've done now with my EP, I've kind of transitioned myself into Raver. And I've got a next one called, um, my next alter ego called Jav. Jav? Jav. But Jav stands for Just A Voice. Because ah. that's the name that I was meant to be using instead of Raver. You understand? Know, I just had to change. Raver was, was my street name. So what I had to do, I had to transition it. And at the time, I was denying Raver in my prison sentence. I was denying it all the way till I came out. Mm. So imagine being out now and they're thinking, okay, yeah, it's not him. Then one day I just say, you know what? I'm Raver, which is my music. And everyone's shocked. They're like, ah, oh, wow. So yeah. So cellmates would come up to you and ask if you were Raver and you'd deny no, it? No, no, no. I'm saying like, I'm talking about, when I say deny, I'm talking about the police system. Ah. Saying probation, the police, and that they didn't understand. They, there's always think people always saying to it, understand, but there was no concrete evidence mm. until now to that own up. So, yeah, so it's like a middle finger to the police. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, has anyone in the room got any other questions for Raver before we wrap it? God, James, you always, yeah. So, you, uh, you, you're a singer songwriter, yeah. Do you, are you a musician now? Or did you learn any instruments? No, no, nah, nah. do you know what it is? Yeah, because I realize, yeah, like there's too much going on, like going in the studio, learn how to record yourself, editing, like it's too much. So, I'm just trying to make it simple as possible for myself. So, that's why I kind of stick to that in the sun, like the writing and the making the music. How often are you in the studio? Do you know what? Um, from the other day, I've been in there every single day. Oh Christ! So for me, I don't, I don't need to have something in mind or anything like that, because, I, like I said, I've got so much writing or what I do now. Because I'm more advanced now, I just go in there, put a rhythm on, and just freestyle. So wow. I can freestyle a song, and yeah. You enjoying life? Yeah, it's brilliant. And where can people find you and support you? What, what's your uh, socials and everything? Um, my social for Instagram is official. No, yeah, Rave Official One. My YouTube's Official Raver. That's kind of the two I work with, the main two. What about Spotify? Um, Raver. Mm-hmm. Check him out. Anyone else got any questions? All right. <laughs> Huge thank you for coming on, Raver. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this video today, please let us know in the comments. Please support everybody involved and um all of raver's links will be down there if you want to check his tunes out jen's links will be down there for her organic cotton and we will see you in the next podcast thank you for watching cheers you take care thanks for that thank well you done. Brilliant. sorry i'm gonna move that yeah yeah